Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hello and welcome to The Promised Land, a show about Manchester United and part of the Night in Podcast Network. Merry Christmas, happy holidays. We have had a break since just before Christmas and we, we last recorded just before Man United slumped to a 2-0 defeat at West Ham. But a lot has, a lot has happened since, Rob. Uh, we did say that we were going to do a show if we could in the wake of the announcement of Ineos's 25% purchase in Manchester United. Obviously happened on Christmas Eve, though, to Gary Neville's behest. Uh, happened on Christmas Eve, and it, unfortunately it meant that I was unavailable to uh, to do a show. But we're, we're here now, Rob, and uh, we will do an Ineos purchasing special on this show, but we'll follow up with a, a on-the-pitch focused episode to come 24 hours after this one drops. We'll drop that on the 29th on Friday. Today is Thursday the 28th. As we record it, we've had a few days for the dust to settle a little bit or for information to be trickled out through SEC filings and legal jargon, this kind of thing. (laughs) Tons and tons for people to get their teeth into. Uh, But Rob, uh, welcome back to the show. How's it going? Not too bad, Scott. And you know, we'd heard that Man United were planning a big Christmas party for all their fans with this announcement. So that was kind of two or three weeks ago. And it was entirely accurate, wasn't it? Christmas Eve. I think people again kind of thinking, oh, you know, that's a terrible time to release this information. Well, kind of thing. It was always the plan. Manchester United like to win things, don't they? Especially in the press. And I think they did win the Christmas coverage. Do you agree? So they win Christmas, yes. yes. No one's no one in the world spoke about anything else except that this takeover and what is to come in the future now. So yeah, we'll do our show today. We we obviously wanted to go live around the period of of getting the information, but it's we have spoken about a lot of this, haven't we? Now for months, and and all that information was entirely accurate. And I think now moving forward, we can really kind of dig deeper on what Sir Jim Ratcliffe wants to do with Manchester United, at least his stake and with the football club, how that will impact with the Glazers and the Glazer involvement, because we do believe that will be massively reduced in terms of how they've run the football club. But also, Scott, to add on to that, what happens to Old Trafford? Because I think that is a big. That's a big question mark now about where the investment comes from and what Sir Jim Rackett would like to see happen to the Theatre of Dreams because we know that he, inverted commas, loves the stadium. He loves Old Trafford. It's something that's in his blood and he really wants to see it become the best stadium in the world. Lots of division, really, isn't there? There's a lot of division around... Obviously, Old Trafford (laughs) is going to be a a controversial call regardless, whichever way it goes. Um, But I think that's one more for the long term. But there's been... I've been watching... You know, fan reaction. Uh, I think mm-hmm. uh, there was a, a channel which did some vox pots with some stadium match going fans uh, around the Aston Villa game about this, uh, the the twenty five percent, etc., etc. I think mm. people are conflating the oh well, they they bought twenty five percent of the shares. That means they got twenty five percent of the control. That's that's not the case at all. And I think that that's something that I would like to 
maybe express and explain a little bit more because it, it feels mm. it there's a lot of division rob in there and you know i'm firmly in the camp of i think this is a good thing i think you are too definitely uh, but that's not the case for everybody so we'll we'll try and explain in our own words why uh we think this is a good thing uh and we'll do that on today's show we'll talk as as rob mentioned there about uh a lot of things that have fallen out of uh, this announcement that's been made on Christmas Eve. We're never going to get through it all. There's going to be dribs and drabs of information to come out over the next few weeks and that kind of thing. It's going to take anywhere from four to eight weeks, really, for this to be ratified by the Premier League anyway. Yeah. But obviously, one of the developments has been that, oh, well, the, the people working at the club at the moment can't do anything or they, they can't finalise anything without Ineos' say-so. Well, obviously... You know, <laughs> but that that is what makes uh, that that's what makes the news go round. And obviously, uh, there's so many little tidbits of information that come out of these filings that have been made public that mm. it keeps the news cycle going for for weeks and weeks and weeks, months and months and months even. Uh, but yeah, today's show will be all about Ineos. We'll do another show on Friday to be released on Friday, looking ahead to Nottingham Forest, but looking back at the win over Aston Villa, which was a, a Christmas miracle for Rasmus Hoyland, a late Christmas miracle, which a uh, lovely moment that was. But uh, we'll, we'll dig into that a little bit later in the week. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and watch us on YouTube as well. Promise Land, a Manchester United podcast. Like the video, subscribe, leave a comment, hit the notification bell as well so you never miss a show on YouTube. And follow us on social media. Rob, has, uh, Rob was going to be off. X until the new year, but obviously he has been forced to break his silence and has therefore been tweeting about Old Trafford and therefore treat, tweeting about or Xing, not tweeting anymore, uh, Xing about the new structure that is in place at United. But yes, uh, at underscore Rob underscore B for Rob, at double underscore Scott Saunders on X Instagram and TikTok for me, and at TPL MUFC on X as well. And uh, yeah, just over the last few days, I've had nice opportunities to, I had to, the chance to speak on Five Live Sport on Wednesday night, which was uh, which was nice about the Aston Villa win and the wider scope of things. And also I jumped on Sirius XM in the US on well, the same day, actually. Uh, mm -hmm. Nice opportunities and nice, nice little bit of promotion for the podcast as well, Rob. So hopefully we get some new listeners coming in. But right, so let's dig into Ineos. Just tell me your your initial emotions or your initial feelings on this announcement. Like you can go into the timing if you want, or uh, something that you've noticed in in the official announcements, or your general feeling. Because obviously, as I mentioned, there has been a divisive issue for fans who, you know, I understand why it's not it's not full sale. I understand why, but there's lots of uh, little details or little significant details which I think. Let me let me ask you this question: How will United turn a corner from this? Do you think this is a moment where they will turn a corner? I hope so. <laughs> That's what I'm going it to can, say. It can be a catalyst. It can. can it be I I think that I, I totally understand that. Again, in the Manchester United universe that we all inhabit, that there is this constant proxy war between sides, whether someone has this opinion or someone has that opinion. You just said, "How do I feel about it?" Um, in, in terms of how I feel about it is that I kind of understand that the Glazers are never going to give Manchester United away fully unless they get something 
mad and crazy. Like we're not talking mad and crazy six billion, Scott. We're talking mad and crazy like 10 billion, 12 billion, something mad. And that isn't on the table from anywhere, you know, any source. But how do I feel about this specific thing with Ineos? I've always felt that the first fundamental thing that needed to be fixed at Manchester United is the football team, the operation and how that works. That's what kind of gets in my heart here when I'm stood at Old Trafford watching the game. I'm not really stood there going, oh, he's in the boardroom. I'm thinking about my team like we all are. Yeah, that's one thing that unites us. But I think the, the, the most important thing here, Scott, is that you have someone in charge of that part of the operation now that can really knit it all together and do the good work that takes a long time. So am I under any illusion that Manchester United has been fixed because of Sir Jim Ratcliffe? Not at all. No, it, it's just not how it is. Jim Ratcliffe, I think, has the right intentions in terms of what he wants to do with the team. But this is a long game. Like you just said there, you know, it, 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 the information's there trickling out and all of this. The information has been really accurate up to now, but we know this is going to carry on. This does not stop because we do one show today and that's the end of the subject. It's not going to be like that. This is going to be continuing. And do you know what we'll do, Scott, is that we'll hold Ineos to account. That's what we should do as journalists and also all the fans. Is we, we will see what they want to do and how they want to do it. And we will do our best to hold them to account on this platform. So people who watch us, hopefully you'll stick with us because that's what we want to do. We're not here for the populism. We're here to be able to talk about these things openly a little bit more. So we knew that this was going to get ratified. We'll talk about here the Premier League in the next four to six weeks. Uh, I think the whole thing with that is that Ineos have tried to make sure that that is concrete. That's why they didn't want this to come out publicly because they've been talking to the Premier League and talking to Manchester United about how they stage manage it. But now we're going into the January transfer window, Scott, and Ineos are very much in control. Whatever anyone tells you and says, oh, you know, they have to ring up Sir Jim to ask if they sack the manager. It's already done. The Glazers have said publicly, we don't do this bit anymore. It has been delegated, is the official word, <laughs> delegated to Ineos. The, the interesting thing in that statement, it said that at the request of. Yes. So... That's an admission of defeat. Massively. Really. Yeah. It's an admission of defeat from the Glazers. I think they they are looking at their body of work, awful body of work over the last 10, 11 years, the appointments they've made, and yeah. essentially looked at it and said, oh, we've got this wrong. And it could also mean we can't be bothered anymore, which is completely legit. And I, I see that there are people who are looking at this deal and the fact that Sir Jim has come to, he, he did want to buy the, the the whole club, you know. He did, yeah. But obviously he had to scale back on the terms of the agreement that he was offering because we just got to a point where the Glazers didn't want to let go completely. And I've seen some criticism of Ratcliffe saying this deal enables the Glazers to stay. And yes, it does. Absolutely, it does. Mm. But that was what was necessary to be done because obviously we know the other party that was in line or bidding for the football club. And I think there's a bit of, I don't, I don't want to generalize here, but I have, what I have seen is obviously people are in favor of full sale. And I think everybody was, everybody was. But the fact of the matter is the other offer was not enough. It wasn't enough. So that, that is not Sir Jim Ratcliffe's fault. I mean, and what we said at the time as well, Rob, is no matter what, the Glazers are in control here. They have all the power and... Anybody who wants to buy it 
buy this buy this club or have a share in it has to get has to find a deal which will convince them to give up a shred or all of the football club mm. and i think qatar's offer was take it or leave it and this one was not and look who's won and i think that is i i personally think that that's that's smart business that, that's how you should do it because i think there's a there's different stages i think I, I can't go into this. I don't know this in enough detail to, to say, but uh, there's options uh, later down the line within 18 months up to three years uh, to for other parties to buy more shares. I, I don't know whether you know any more about that than me, Rob, but you know, this is a starting point is what I wanted to say. And I think the most important starting point to take is on the lines of the first thing they will do is try and change the football team and the, their their success on the pitch. And I think that is that is imperative absolutely imperative and now we're going to be looking at different people behind the scenes Dave Brailsford was at Old Trafford Mm. for the Villa game we're going to be looking at different people behind the scenes trying to put right a a ship that's been faltering for 11 years so I think that that's what's encouraging to me and I feel like of course they haven't done anything yet in in the sense of changing anything they've got their foot in the door though and I just look at the appointments that the Glazers have made over the last few years, and we know that they've been accountants, bankers. If you could put a, a person who knows football in that position to start with, it's, it's a much better position than you, than you were in 18 months ago. That would help. That's how I look at it. You know, <laughs> Totally. I, I think there's two common myths that we have to bust at this stage because it's really, really important. Um, I think the, the most important myth here is that if Sir Jim Ratcliffe could have bought the whole club for six billion quid, he'd have bought the whole qu- club for six billion quid. Now, it wasn't the case they didn't want to buy it because, again, I think what you've heard in this proxy war again between people with Qatar flags on their ex-profile and and the rest of the world is that, you know, Qatar wanted to save Manchester United, uh, take it, bring them in-house and make a revolution post-Glazers. There's no doubt that if Jim Ratcliffe could have got Every last cent of Manchester United for six billion, he'd have got it. And it isn't he hasn't got the money, because that's again another bit myth. Like Ineos with a turnover of billions and billions and billions, and we're talking trillions over years, like an incredible amount that, of money. That, we should just stress that point, Rob. Like you look at United's revenue per year versus Ineos, it is no comparison. Tiny. It's absolutely tiny. Yeah. So anybody who's looking at Ratcliffe and saying he's just another glazer, he's here to bleed the club dry of money. It mm. makes no difference to his pocket at all. Like yeah. it, I think it's like we're talking one percent, two percent, like totally in comparison. It, it's it's different planets, honestly. Yeah, and the choice was don't get involved with Manchester United, walk away because you don't get your six billion pounds. That's fine. You don't. You're not going to buy the club for six billion. You don't want to get involved. And then that choice means Scott that we are stuck with the Glazers, and that means we're stuck with the same cycle of our football team that we've had ever more since since Sir Alex left. So. I think the whole thing with Jim Radcliffe here, it's not about giving him credit. He was the only person in the world that came up with a deal that said to the Glazers, look, you know that you failed, but I can help you. I can help you now and I'll give you a billion quid to shut you up and to send you off back to Florida and let me do it. And do you know what? Then if you take all the credit from America, I don't care because I'm doing what I want to do. And that is put Manchester United back where it should be. I think the thing with Jim Radcliffe is it's savvy because people always think that, again, myth busting, that 25% means that Manchester United is a big pie. You carve a quarter up 
and Jim Radcliffe is just feeding off this quarter, you know, munch, munch, munch away at the pie. No, that's not how it works. He hasn't bought just a quarter of Manchester United to take a quarter of the credit. He's put in a billion pound to take control of the football team. Now, I must admit, it's not something we've seen in football in the past. It's not something that a part owner would do because they want the profits. They want all the they want to be able to say, oh, I'm going to take my team and play them on the moon this week because that's where the money is. That's where we're going. Jim Ratcliffe has forsaken that. He said, no, what we want to do is take control of transfers, take control of everything behind the scenes. And we want to prove it in your sport that we're going to make Manchester United winners again. That's a billion pound investment. Now, people might think a billion is nothing. A billion is worth more than most football clubs. <laughs> like most football clubs are not worth a billion, you know, when you go down the line. Of course, Manchester United are a super club. It's a totally different kettle of fish. But I think the whole thing with it is, is that Jim Ratcliffe is taking a calculated gamble here that he can make it work before he dies. And people might think, oh, that's a bit of a funny thing to say, Rob. He's a 70-year-old man and he wants this to be his legacy. So he's going to stick a billion quid in it and then more money for transfers, and then more money for Old Trafford, and he wants Manchester United to be the superpower of English football and European football once again. And he wants it to be on his behest. He wants to say, I did that before I died, look at that, and leave it to his kids and leave it to his family. What it means for us, Scott, is that we get less Glazer. Yeah, so there's, we, we will not have any real contact with the Glazers on this anymore. I don't think they'll say a word ever again after they get their money. And yes, they're still going to take their dividends at some point, but all they are is now really a silent partner, you know, and I'm fine with that. As long as they're not making any decisions about our football club, then you're always going to have investors, aren't you, in the background that take money from your football club. And I think that Jim Ratcliffe here, long term, would like to see, obviously, that he takes full control of this. And I think if he shows he can make success of the football team, that's where we'll go eventually. But it might be a long journey, Scott. Like, I'm talking a long time before the Glazers ever decide that that they have to sell. Because they don't have to sell anything, do they? That's been one of the criticisms, obviously. Ratcliffe's deal has allowed the Glazers to stay in and continue to milk the club of, you know. But they're using it as a cash cow they always have. And yeah. I think what Sir Jim's deal is doing is taking the Glazers. And I, I understand this point. It's... Wow, they 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 literally just sit in there now, get take taking money, or they they will sit there taking money, and they could potentially profit from a sale. Let's say the, the Super League was a conversation in the last couple of weeks again. If that ever happens, the value of the club mm. will inflate, the income will inflate, the Glazers will profit off it, mm-hmm. and that's a completely fair point. But the fact of the matter is, the Glazers are in that position, exactly. and like it or not, they are going to profit. They're like going it to or profit. Not, and most football clubs will have a huge benefactor behind the scenes that does profit off the football club and leeches off the football club. With the Glazers, it's quite unique in the sense that they never put a penny in. They put Manchester United into incredible debt. And that was their business model. And I still say to this day, that's on the Premier League in English football to stop people being able to take football clubs over like that. Now, suddenly, Scott, they've said that. Now they've gone, oh, we don't want to see that ever happen again. Well, you allowed it to happen to the jewel in the crown of the Premier League. You allowed that to happen a long time ago. You didn't help fix that. So that's on the Premier League. But I think when you look at the Glazers, yeah, they're not interested in the health of Manchester United. They're interested in the health of their other businesses, of their NFL team, of their family, of everything they want to do in the future. They're not really interested in the badge and they're not really interested in the shirt and winning football matches. You know, so this is why I am 
in favour of Ineos and, and Sir Jim Radcliffe taking over this part because they are. They want Manchester United to win and they're going to put their financial might behind that with transfers, with infrastructure and all the things that we've talked about for years that Manchester United need. Expertise, football people, sporting people, a proper structure. That's how it should be done. Of course, we would all like the Glazers gone forever and never having to think about them ever again. But the next best thing is to remove them from the football business. The next best thing is to say, off your pop, here's a billion quid to keep your gob shut and please don't make any more appointments. That's where you stand today. And you're also now on a path, Scott, to full removal of the Glazers somewhere down the line. My my thing is stop yearning for something that was never reality. You know, It was never on the table. It was never on the table. The, the Qatar bid, yeah, it was made. Was it ever going to be accepted? If Sir Jim wasn't there, would they have accepted it? I don't 12 so. months ago, I said on this show, 12 months ago, I said, the Glazers do not want to sell. So whatever they're telling you and whatever you're reading, and it's exciting that maybe they're saying, oh, we're off. When you read between the lines and ask the right people, they never wanted to sell. Yeah. And I think the other reality we could have had here, Scott, is that they did have offers from hedge funds. They had offers on the table for I a billion quid. Day, yeah. 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 And they could have actually gone, well, you know, we want investment. And this uh, hedge fund here in America, who we're very good friends with, wants to give us one and a half billion quid. So with that one and a half billion, we can pocket some of that and we can rebuild the stadium and we can spend some on transfers to keep the fans quiet because that's why they spend money on transfers. And we don't spend another penny. But as you said about... And we can, yeah, and we can keep sport in control. Exactly. <laughs> but the whole thing about omission of defeat being the biggest buzzword here for me is that they do admit it. Like behind the scenes, we're hearing that is that they've gone, we don't really want to do this anymore. We've kind of proven to ourselves that we haven't had the right strategy here and that someone else whose roots are in sport within your sport and obviously all the other sports that they do, that they've got this financial and commercial might. And I think that's what the Glazers like here is that they're not kind of giving the part of the football business away just to some philanthropist who wants to help Man United. They look at Ineos and they go, well, Ineos are actually worth more than us. Ineos have got more cash than we have. And in fact, Ineos are probably one of the most successful entities on the planet in terms of commercial businesses here. Maybe we could become friends. Maybe we could take a billion off them and let them do what they want to do. Of course, there's a massive value to the Glazers here that the football team wins. The football team becomes successful in the next five years. I think you have to play it over that period. You can't say yeah. one year. You've got three, to look three over to the, five at the, at the three minute. to five, multiple transfer windows, even maybe multiple managers. And we'll talk more about that. If you're going to rebuild Old Trafford, Scott, it's an eight-year project. Yeah, it's a long project. That means whoever is coming in to Jim Ratcliffe, this is a long project, a long game. And the Glazers are kind of saying, we know we haven't got this right, so maybe we should take a back step and just take our dividends and keep our gob shut. You look at the dividend that they take, Scott, the 20, 25 million, you know, on the dividend sheet. It's not actually a lot of money in, in terms of the revenue. And when you look at the debt return, the debt return is about 4% of revenue. Now, most businesses, are, they carry that kind of debt. So the Glazers don't look at any of this as like sin against Man United. They just see it as business. But at least now, Scott, you've picked them up, you've put them over here, you've dropped them in a big box across the ocean, and you're kind of saying, off your pop. We don't need to talk to you anymore. We don't need to get involved with these people. 
when we sing at Old Trafford about the Glazers, you know, they don't hear it. They're not there. So people understand here that I think that this is the best next possible deal Man United could have struck for the football club. And at least now you've got a guy who's going to push the buttons that are needed to win. And they'll put people in place in the next few months. Yeah. Who have experience. So you're looking at the people who are there at the moment, Brailsford, uh, Ratcliffe, yeah. Jean-Claude Blanc has been announced. He, he's been part of it as well. Yeah. On the, uh, you know, they, they will have a say that the budgets will be set. I think they will have a say in that as well. And I, I just think to me, it's like I just said this point, don't yearn for something that was never reality because if it, that was never, that Qatar bid was never really a real thing. No. Because it was never accepted. It was never on the verge of being accepted, despite no. all the noise from outside. And yeah, I completely understand if you're frustrated that the Glazers are staying. But that's reality. And nothing, if if this Sir Jim bid wasn't there, we'd be in a, a worse position, potentially. At you least now, it. what there is some hope for me. I, I, I'm, in this, I'm in this boat where I feel like there is hope that things can change. Because I know that as the club were last week, going back to last week, hmm. there was no hope. We were just going down a path to failure where we would just see more and more of what we've been seeing and it would get worse and worse and worse and we'd drift and drift and drift. Now, in the next few months, appointments will be made to with the intention of putting United back to where they belong. Whether that happens... You know, you don't know. Because obviously there are state-owned clubs out there who have a heck of a lot of money. But you know, it can be smarter. We know that. You look at Arsenal at the minute. Like, they haven't spent billions, you know? But they're right, totally. they're right there, sitting top of the league. Liverpool as well. Uh, the top teams in the league just need to be smarter. You can't compete with these clubs. You just need to be smarter. You, you put it in a nutshell, Scott. The Qatar bid was not real. When we dug after it and went and dug and dug and dug and dug and dug. It was pretty clear it wasn't real. And that was a concern to us. And that's why when we did early shows on it, we were like, okay, we understand why this appeals to United fans, but it's smoke and mirrors. It's not real. We're not seeing anything tangible. The only element that gave us tangible like direction on this was Ineos. So I think this is the whole thing about it, Scott, is that Man United fans can yearn for something that wasn't on the table, wasn't real. What is the point? What are you doing? Why are you putting your heart in the place of billionaires that don't care about you? You know, they don't care about you or what you want. They care about themselves. And, and I put Jim Ratcliffe in that ballpark as well. His selfish intention is, Scott, is to get what he wants from the football team, which is them for them to win. It just so happens that correlates with us, isn't it, as fans? Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I, I, it's all a big game at the end of the day, some of that stuff. And I think we have to kind of separate ourselves from the game playing to, to some of the reality. And like you talking there about board appointments, one really extra important point to put the cherry on this cake is that we talk about the PLC and the football club and who, who decides who does what. And a lot of things I've heard fans say in the last few days is, oh, you're still going to have to go to the Glazers to ask for money. Well, no, you, you don't, because one of the most important parts of this deal is that two members of the PLC board will be the two most powerful people at Ineos outside of Jim Ratcliffe. So this is Ineos taking control of what they want to take control of. And it will be Ineos sat on the PLC telling Ineos sat on the sporting control side what they can spend. So it's not going to be Joel Glazer going, oh, I think you can't spend that extra million quid here on that footballer. 
it won't be that. I think the Glazers will sit on the board, but they won't have a lot to say. They'll just say to Ineos, well, if you're going to put money into the club, make sure it's your money spending. Like, if you're going to put cash in, make sure it's Ineos money and not Glazer money. But it's already assured that it's not Glazer money. It's not going to come from the Glazer's bank account. It will come from Ineos. And that's why the conversation now must grow about player transfers, player sales, but also Old Trafford. Because that is all going to come off the back of Ineos cash. And we have to see what Jim Ratcliffe wants to do with that now in the weeks and months ahead. Yeah, subscribe to the show if you're new and you're watching. Leave us a comment as well. Obviously, we know this is a divisive issue. It's just just so happens that Rob and I yeah. align on the same side. And we're not going to shout and scream like this. No. Plenty of people that, that will. Um, but to me, I, like I'm sick and tired personally of working in football and having to be down and out on United. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Every every week. Mm. And I think that I'm just looking at this and I'm thinking, it's an opportunity to to turn a corner. There's no guarantees it'll happen. Nobody's saying that. But now you know at least that there's intention. And that that means a lot. You know that there's intention there to, to turn things around. Yeah, and one thing to add to that is that I don't, I don't definitely want to stand on a on a soapbox and and call out other Man United fans for wanting something else. Like I completely appreciate that the common Man United fan wants the Glazers out. I'm with them, yeah, and you are as well, Scott. So we are actually united on the subject matter. It's just about what what comes next. <clears throat> I'm not here to go on Twitter and call out other Man United fans and say, "Oh, you were wrong." It's not about that. When I started this job 12 years ago as a, a working in football, <clears throat> I didn't realise it was going to be so political. I never did. Like I don't think you did either, Scott. You know, we talk about like you know deep politics and about why billionaires do things, but we have to do that as part of our job. That's just what it is. Rob, you're day, losing your voice. There. <laughs> I'm losing my voice. I've been losing my voice for months, Scott. <laughs> I think I feel like, but um, but the whole thing of this is is that is that we shouldn't be in this to kind of fight other fans or even other fan bases. You know, like we see Arsenal fans getting on their high horses and Liverpool fans. I just couldn't give two watts. You know, when we were the best team in the country, I didn't think about other clubs. I didn't really understand that. I just thought, you know, goodbye, your competitors. We're the best. I think they should probably think the same thing about Manchester United, but they don't. So this is a good thing for Manchester United in terms of the football team, because we might now just see process. And I'm a process guy. I like to see that because at least if you're putting the bricks together, the Lego bricks to build the building, you can actually visually see what is happening rather than it just being spin. And with a lot of football clubs, Scott, and especially some of the owners from broad and how they've done it, it's not worked. There's a lot of spin. They promise the earth and it doesn't work. And people kind of, they just love it. They want that. They want to feel that this trillionaire is going to save them. I don't think Jim Ratcliffe saves us, Scott. I think we're in a better place to win football matches now in the long term and a better place maybe to have a better building at Old Trafford because I think that's an important thing to me as well as someone that goes to games for the last 30 years. You know, I've been there and I'd like to see Old Trafford become the best stadium in the world. 
I know you do want to talk about Old Trafford, Rob. We will definitely. We, we will. We will talk about that. Should we do an episode on it, or do you want to do? A, do you want to do a little bit here? We will definitely do a future episode because, as I said, eight-year project. <laughs> so we've got some time. You know, we're going to be talking a lot about it, and I'm going to also uh, talk in the future about some of the architectural stuff that I've seen. But we'll do that a little bit later on down the line around Old Trafford. Um, but yeah, I think we should. We we definitely have to cover it today because. I think if you're going to improve your football team, I've had lots of people tweet me and say, oh, what, what do you do? Football team or stadium? Football team or stadium? Do you know what you do? You do football team and stadium. You've got to do the two together. You can't do them separately. You can't just have the best team in the, in the world and then have a crumbling stadium in the same way that you can't have the worst team in the world and have the best stadium, Tottenham Hotspur, not so long ago. So, you know, you, you have to work with it as, a, as an entity, as a whole thing. And I think that's where where Ineos will have to be smart because they'll have to sell themselves on that. They'll have to go, we've got ambitions to do this, but we're also spending money in transfer windows and there isn't a bottomless pit of cash. But guess what? We just had revenues of like 60 billion. Like we're okay. So there's that balancing point there, Scott. And Old Trafford, I think, is a massive part of that, that that Old Trafford itself will become representative of this project of Jim Radcliffe. And don't, don't wait too long for the first photo call of Jim Ratcliffe at Man United games because he's going to be there quite soon with his red scarf holding it up going I put a billion pound into this and this stadium around me it's not going to have my name on it not yet but I'm going to help make it what it should be because that's a big uh, part of his plan we know that we know he wants Old Trafford to be the best stadium in the world well we'll talk about that in a second um mm. there's a a lot of people are looking at it and I, I completely understand the the what that stadium means to people. I, I absolutely, completely understand it. Yeah. And again, we're talking about division. This is going to be divisive. If they take a decision to build a new stadium, that ain't going to go down well with a lot of people. Uh, but well, people use the examples of, oh, look at West Ham. This is so, it's a soulless ground. Well, yes, but that wasn't built for West Ham. Look at Tottenham. I've been to Tottenham. It's amazing. It is absolutely amazing. You, you've given some examples, Rob, of uh, stadiums in the US as well. Yeah, I, w- I was at the, or we were at the United versus Dortmund uh, friendly in Vegas. That was spectacular. And I think United should be on the same lines as that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but before we do get into the stadium, Rob, I just wanted to read uh, an extract from the statement uh, yes. that uh, Sir, Jim, Sir Jim made. So, as a local boy and a lifelong supporter, I'm very pleased that we've been able to agree a deal with the Man United board that delegates us management responsibility of the football operations of the club. Whilst the commercial success of the club has ensured there have always been available funds to win trophies at the highest level, this potential has not been fully unlocked in recent times. We'll bring the global knowledge, expertise and talent from the wider INEOS sport group to help drive further improvement at the club while also providing funds intended to enable future investment into Old Trafford. We're here for the long term and realise that a lot of challenges and hard work lie ahead, which we will approach with rigour, professionalism and passion. We're committed to working with everyone at the club, the board, the staff, players and fans to help drive the club forward. Our shared ambition is clear. We all want to see Man United back where we belong, at the very top of English, European and world football. That is different to get in top four for Champions League money every year. I don't, I don't, care, what you, I don't care what you're telling me. That is different to, let's yeah. just get in the top four to get like a few million quid from Champions League group stages and then go out in the group stages. 
Yeah. It's different. Ed, Ed Woodward tasking his new manager, whoever his new manager would be, top four what lads. Was, <laughs> you what know, was Edward's quote, Rob? What was Edward's quote? We we've realized I'm 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 uh, paraphrasing here. We've realized uh commercial success does not uh is not directly affected by matters on the pitch. Oh wow, yeah, funny. It's that, the, it's the it? yeah, absolute opposite. Like Man, Man United are, day difference. Man United are the New York Yankees of football, of, of soccer, yeah, and they know that they don't have to win to sell baseball caps. And Man United know that is that their commercial offer is not intrinsically linked to the football pitch. But at the same time, if you're good on the football pitch, guess what? Your profits kind of jump by about 25%. <laughs> That's how it look, works. So the whole thing here is that there's been a, a kind of removed pressure, I think, after Sir Alex to win because you were saying this is new. We're doing it a different way. We've got different managers. We're trying different things. But in that period, Manchester United had incredible commercial success off the football pitch. They absolutely fleeced Adidas for one of the biggest deals of all time. They went into the market to have tractor partners and, you know, yogurt partners and, and you know, fast food partners. They did, they did it all and they took all the money available and they didn't spend it on the right footballers. So that's been the 10-year Manchester United plan. And that's the plan that we had forevermore, Scott, now going forward, whether you had a Richard Arnold in charge and Ed Woodward. You were just going to get clones of those guys. Now you haven't got that. Now you're going to have someone like Jean-Claude Blanc, who knows how to help a team with its infrastructure to build and win. You're going to have someone like Dave Brailsford, who Dan Ashworth has called, you know, one of the greatest sporting minds of all time in terms of strategy and improvement. You're putting these people... In charge, they're not. They're not consultants like Ralph Ranick. You know, like Ralph knew what had to be done, but Ralph had two arms tied behind his back. Ultimately, he couldn't really do anything. Now you're putting people in charge who understand that the pain has to come now to be able to get the glory later. So that's also why I think we're kind of pleased with a lot of it, Scott. Is that you're now getting a different kind of offer at Manchester United from the very, very top? Is that they're not going to be saying top four floats our boat? No, they're going to be saying, we want to win the Premier League. And to win the Premier League, yeah, we're going to have to spend another half a billion on, you know, players. And yeah, we're going to sell a lot of players and get rid of a lot of the contracts that have been given out as well. We're going to have to get rid of these contracts that we talk about every week. This is a a point I wanted to make. Like, don't expect this to happen in 12 months. Like, there are contracts which United have given out. Like, I'll take Casemiro's contract as an example. Like, there's a chance he could he could leave in 2024. There's a, I think so there's a strong chance that he could leave in 2024 and maybe to Saudi Arabia where they could get a heck of a lot of money back on the deal that they they actually agreed to with the foresight of this will help us for eight months because <laughs> that, that's all it was. But give him four years, yeah. You know, they give him a four year four year contract. There's other players. Anthony Martial will leave in 2024, but he's on a lot a lot of money. Mad money for someone who just plays 20 minutes for you every now and then. <laughs> Jaden Sancho has been out all season and he's a, mm. he's one of the top earners at the club. Yeah, It's absolutely crazy. So, you know, I think don't expect things to be perfect straight away, but know that there's a long-term plan or there will be a long-term plan. And you might just have to be patient. The next time United lose a game, don't point at Jim Ratcliffe and say, what are you doing? Mm. It's not... You, you can't judge him like that. He needs time or the people that he puts in place are going to need time to turn things around. And they can't really start turning things around until it's, it's got to a point where the financial position is so, 
I don't say dire, but I'll, I'll use the word dire, like in comparison to what it once was. Yeah. That they have to reverse threats of FFP and this kind of thing. And owner investment will help that. So maybe if, if there's money being injected straight into the club straight away, maybe that changes their financial position in that in that sense. So it does open up yeah. uh, better opportunities for them. But they need to offload players who are not performing and on massive contracts. And yeah. that will take time. That'll take, I'd say summer 2024 is probably where it really will start. Mm-hmm. But that's going to take a couple of years. Oh, and yeah. you could maybe get some, some of the chief candidates out, but it's going <laughs> to... I gave this example the other day. Cedric Suarez is still at Arsenal. You know what? What is he? What What is he doing? I I, I don't want to collect the balls uh, at training. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But that that's that's how it'll be for a while. Uh, but Rob, uh, sorry, I've uh, I've taken us off on a tangent. We were going to talk about the stadium, weren't we? But yeah, no. Look, I, I think I think it all meshes into one. I, I think Man United fans have to be patient. You've got no choice here but to be patient. You cannot fix things overnight. I think the one thing also to highlight is that so Jim Ratcliffe is not a gunslinger. And what do I mean by that? Well, what, what is Jim Ratcliffe? He's, a, he's an overt conservative. That's what he is, like, at his very core. And he's going to try and do things in what he believes is process. So there will be process there in terms of reducing Manchester United's um, kind of holding with the staff, how many staff that you have. You know, there's a thousand staff at, at Old Trafford and Carrington. He will reduce that because he's looking at where he's putting his money. So all of that does take time. That takes process. We also know like the six-week ratification with the Premier League. That's still a part of the process. We all know that football fans want to win tomorrow. And we all do. We want to turn up at Old Trafford and just win. Jim Ratcliffe is not going to impact that on day one. But Jim Ratcliffe might be able to impact that on day 500, right? And when and when day 1000 comes around, you might actually have a proper football team, a manager that's really like intrinsically built into the system with the ownership. You might have a proper plan for Old Trafford about to happen. And it means that somewhere down the line, you can appreciate and go, right, hang on, we are moving towards something. Because I think the whole thing about Man United, Scott, you know, in the last 10 years, let's just use that, is that we've just been heading into a brick wall forever down this horrible dark alleyway. We haven't got a clue what's around the corner. We only know what the Glazers tell us in that moment. But one thing is for sure is that the Glazers see Man United as a bank. So we can still be a bank to them because we are a powerful, rich entity, but we can remove them from the problem. Like you called them the cancer once upon a time. And that's what they are. You know, you have to remove it to be able to get healthy again. So that's where we are with Jim Ratcliffe. And I think we have to give Jim Ratcliffe time now to really knit through some of the issues at United because we know that they are really deep, they're systemic, and they have to be they have to go right to the source. And that's what they're doing. You said brick wall. I was I was thinking more black hole. Yeah. Uh that, that's where United were going. Uh in terms of money being essentially thrown away, this kind yeah. of thing. And United are in a position now where it'll take a, a bit of time to reverse, but at least there's a a hope that it can be reversed. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, like let's move on because we've got a few well, a few minutes left. We can go as long as we want, really. But yeah. let's talk about Old Trafford because I know you're yes. keen to. Yeah. So uh, I don't know where I sit on this personally. I think I'm more in the camp of, and so, please don't uh, don't go at me for this. I'm still making my mind up on it. I understand. Old Trafford's special, man. It's, it's, it's a special place on the pitch, the, the atmosphere. Yeah. It's a special place. So many memories there. But I also see the other side. And I mm. think even sitting in the seats, Rob, it's just, you know, 
I'm not. A, I'm not a massive guy. You know, it's like I, I, I sit in the seats, but I'm I'm directly watching this. But I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm like this basically when I when I sit down, uh, as in I'm putting my arms across my body here, trying to scrunch up into myself to to create space and for other people sat next to me. The the seats are really close together. The concourses are tight. The ceilings are low. Um, it's it's a it's an old stadium, and I think you're looking at. All of that you could improve, really. But I think I'm maybe 55, 60% on the other side, which I think you are, but more. Yeah, I'm I'm, uh, I'm 100% on the other side. So let, let me explain my position. Um, I've been going to Old Trafford since I, was, since I was a kid. Yeah, I used to go and grab a copy of Red News when I was a, a child, sit outside of Stratford on the concrete for three hours, and then try and get into the stadium via the old way of paying on the gate, like we all used to do back in the day when we, you know, we where before the internet existed and all of these things. Um, old Trafford is very, very important and special to all of us. There's no doubt about it. And I always say that as a match going fan, I always feel incredibly entitled and very, very lucky. You know, whenever I go abroad, I'm always asked that about what's it like to go to Old Trafford every week. I quite sometimes want to say, well, very wet. Like, you know, get soaked all the time, generally, <laughs> you know, not in the stadium, just talking about in Manchester with it being the most rainy place in the universe sometimes. Um, but it's more about the match they experience walking down the Warwick Road to see some at Busby's Aces. Yeah, that's what we do. We're going there to see to this stadium. It's our home. It means something. But it was once upon a time, Scott, not so long ago, only maybe 20 years ago, that Old Trafford was the most advanced, unique stadium in the in world football, you know, like you went to Old Trafford and you went, our stadium is better than everyone's stadium. Look at it; it's beautiful because they put money into it. They built the Cantilever Stadium with the north with the with the North Stand. It was fantastic. And for a certain time pre Glazers, Man United had gone a, a really long way to improve the facility at Old Trafford. Now that Old Trafford is not the same Old Trafford that the that the the the, the, the Babes played at. It's not the same Old Trafford from the 60s and the 70s. My God, the 70s version of Old Trafford had big iron raw fences that you couldn't that you couldn't see through. So, like, let's not pretend that change is a bad thing sometimes. It can be, but it's not a bad thing in this case. What do I want to happen with Old Trafford? When I look at Old Trafford and you just talk there about the seats, I'm not too bothered about the seats. I joked on Twitter about the Wi-Fi because it's just a long-standing joke at United that... You're trying to put send something with the Wi-Fi and it doesn't work and it never has done. And we're finally this season seeing an improvement in the Wi-Fi. But who cares about that, really? I'm talking more about the match day experience and being able to have a football club and ground that represent each other. Yeah. And at the moment, Old Trafford is a decaying building that needs work. You know, you would not go to work in a building that had holes in the roof. You go fix the roof. Yeah. Or you'd knock the building down and start again. So... I'm always been on the favour, Scott, that I've seen the plans around there architecturally of what Man United own. And Man United could very easily do what Tottenham did, which was rebuild the stadium pretty much next door on the same footprint and then deconstruct the, the main Old Trafford. And maybe keeping that part of the stadium as a, as a smaller ground for whether you want to say for the, the reserve teams, the women's teams, the youth teams, all the other entities outside of the men's first team. We know that the men's team is is what brings in the money in terms of that. So you're going to have their main stadium on the footprint. I don't have a problem with that. I don't understand why people think 
it won't be going to Old Trafford anymore. Because it is. It's still Old Trafford. It's Stretford. This is what it's about. It's the home of Man United. It's Stretford. So we're still going there. It's not like we're going to Bury in North Manchester or Altrincham or we're going out of the city towards Warrington to an out-of-town stadium like, say, Atletico Madrid have got now, you know, on the outskirts of uh, of uh, of the capital in in um, in Spain, it will still be Old Trafford. So I think people need to realise that with their hearts is that we love Old Trafford, but it's dying. The stadium is dying. You just talked about Tottenham. Tottenham have a stadium which is state of the art. They can slide the pitch in and out. They can hold stuff. They can do other things with their stadium, and that stadium will contribute towards their team. They will earn money off that state-of-the-art stadium. And that's what Arsenal tried to do with the Emirates. And that's where they are now, Scott, 10, 15 years down the line. They're pushed on. Man United need to start that process now, Scott. Like, if you don't do that and you wait another 10 years, Old Trafford will literally be falling to pieces on the ground. I walk around that stadium quite often when it's closed. I'm lucky enough to be able to get access. And you walk around and you kind of go, how are you supposed to have... 70, like 3,000 people here on a match day. It's mad. It's it's not safe. <laughs> you walk around the alleyways like this behind there when you queue up. It's mad. It's not safe. So I've had a lot of fans go, oh, you know nothing about it. Well, I'm there. I can give you my opinion every week from Old Trafford, from a boy that's been there for 30 years. And yeah, I love Old Trafford, but I'm not, I'm not stupid to what it is. And that's Man United need to build a new Trafford. I didn't want to say that but a new old Trafford and to make new sure Trafford. that it's got to fit. Like, you know, when Juventus did this with their stadium, they moved and they built a smaller stadium. Everyone went, oh, hang on. Why are Whoever you building... saw that, by the way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, Jean-Claude Blanc. So they built a smaller stadium and we all kind of criticised that. I went, why do you want to do that? Like, why do you want a smaller stadium? That doesn't make sense. And they were like, no, because we need to go into the future. And if that means a reduced capacity, we'll live with that because we don't want to have a big old monolith. And that's what I describe Old Trafford. It's an ancient, it's an ancient sacred site to the past, but unfortunately it still looks like the past. And so does our football. So we need to make those things come together and work together. I'm all for redeveloping the stadium. If you can do it like the Bernabeu. So the Bernabeu have done that. They took bits down, rebuilt it. And if that's what Ineos decide to do, then I'm all for that. But it's got to be for me, Scott, this is the real minimums. I want at least an 80,000 seat stadium there, maybe 90 or 100. Like, I want the I want the earth. I'm telling you, I want 100. Like, I've been in the Dallas Cowboys stadium and stood in the middle of it in the center of the pitch and gone, this is sport. This is what you do for your fans. You create something outrageous for your fan base. I'd love a 100,000 seat stadium at Old Trafford with a roof. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I want everything. I want all the mod cons. I went, when, when people come to our stadium, I want them to be scared of our opulence. I want them to look at the stadium and go, this is frightening. And we're going to lose before we even walk out on the football pitch. Because 20 years ago, when they stood in the tunnel, that's what teams used to do. They knew what they were coming out to, the theatre of dreams. But our dreams, not yours, your nightmares. So build that stadium, spend whatever it takes, Oneos, with your trillions of pounds and build us the best stadium that we can possibly have. Because I think that's what we deserve. That might sound like an uppity Man United opinion. But I think everyone watching this will feel that, is that, it might look good on a TV screen, Scott, but it ain't good in the stadium. And we need to, and, and the players know that as well. They know that when they're playing at Old Trafford, that it's great, the past and all of this, but it's the past and we want to be the future. We want to own the future and have the best stadium possible. 
Well, there you have it. I didn't want supposed to go on the soapbox there. That wasn't that wasn't designed. That literally came out of my mouth and my heart because I haven't planned that at all. But that's how I feel, and I've always felt that is that lots of people at Old Trafford say to me, Scott, consistently, Rob, what do you know about the plans and all of this? I don't like the idea of the stadium being knocked down, and I think the stadium being knocked down is a divisive thing. But you have to knock down bits to rebuild it. Like you have to. That's what they did at the Bernabeu very recently. They knocked down ancient parts of the stadium. I was very lucky to go to the Bernabeu multiple times. And it's an amazing old stadium, but old being the you know the main word there. It's not old anymore. It's going to be the, one of the best stadiums in the world and it will represent Real Madrid. It's the new camp. Plans look amazing. You know, they, they know what they want to do. Man United are the only club going. There's no plans here. We don't know what we're actually doing. But they've spent a year in consultation with architects. So it's coming. I'm not sure what I can say to that. I think that's a nice... Tell us what uh, you think, Scott. <laughs> no, I, I think you... Well, I said 55, 60. I mean, I think I what, you said at, what, what you said at the end, Rob, I think is is the thing, really, that... And you mentioned that players should be scared. Opposition players should be scared to go there. Mm. And I thought opposition players should go, I want to play here. Yeah, you know? well, I want to join that, this team. That's, I want to join this team. And I think that is that that was the thing that I thought at that point. Uh, but United are or are meant to be the biggest and best club in the world. You can debate that. Like obviously mm. Real Madrid, as you just mentioned, are there Barcelona, et cetera, et cetera. But United should be on that field. They should they should be one of those teams. And I think, yeah, you convinced me, actually. Uh so I think. Ineos should pay me some money towards that, shouldn't they? But they really should, yeah. Maybe we should work for them. No, no, I'm, I don't want to work for Ineos. I really don't want to work for a company like Ineos. No, thank you. Uh, but yeah, let us know what you think as well in the comments. And I'm going to ask Rob, uh, maybe I think we started that at 43 minutes-ish. So I'm going to send you the video file and say, cut it up and put it on social. Because uh, I think it's a you made a compelling argument there, Rob. If you yeah. if you wanted to uh, to do hard that, to put it in a tweet, mate. Like it when, is, you, when yeah. you write and even an article, like you could go on forever and talk about your history and why you do it and why you go to old travel. A lot of people say to me, you know, why do you do this with Manchester United? Well, there, there, there's reasons. You know, it goes back in your family and it's a it's a deep thing. But Old Trafford is a massive part of that. And I can remember the old stadium, what it used to be like, and how I felt when it was renovated. You know, we we all felt really proud. Um, but the, I think it's a big thing for the team, Scott, to have that, is that if you want to say that you're the best club in the world, and you know the stadium announcer says it, doesn't it? Welcome to Manchester United, the greatest cl football club in the world. And then it should be a caveat of saying, but our stadium is falling apart. Our team is a nightmare. We spent a billion pound on footballers that don't help us win. Well, you can't really say all that, can you? We just know it all up here. I don't want that. I want teams to turn up, walk around that football pitch, look at the stadium like they do at Tottenham, and they go, oh, it's a serious football team. And we're worried now because we know we're going to have a wall of noise here. You know, just said there as well, but also about Dortmund, Scott, going over time. You know, you look at what they did with the yellow wall. That was all created. They looked at that and went, it's a new stadium, but we're going to create something special here. You know, Westfalen Stadion. We're going to take this and we're going to make this frightening. So when Real Madrid turn up here, they're going to be scared of us. That's what Man United need to do. That's what Ineos needs to do. I think that's what Radcliffe wants to do. I think he wants United to have that real muscle again of being the most important stadium in this country. Right. We're going to wrap it there because we've got to get through another show to talk about the actual oh, God, football. Yeah. But hopefully 
hopefully that we'll, we'll be touching on this subject we will definitely we in the next few weeks probably quite regularly i'd imagine it'd be part of every single show but obviously this we understand rob and i uh that there's a lot of division we're not for any at any point saying if you disagree with us that you're wrong to disagree like it's a it's an emotive subject all of this is emotive you know mm. all of this is about passion all of this is about concern for where the football club is going uh but for me i just i'm looking at this and i'm thinking there's a this is a, a potential catalyst for at least we can start to hope again and i feel like everything that rob just talked about there with old trafford the aspiration aspirations a massive thing you know i'd have been aspiring to be just one of the rest mm. for 10 years mm, because sad. they haven't had the people in place to win and they haven't won they've won some things but they haven't won the big things uh, so I think United should be back on that path or they, or they should be put back on that path by people who know what they're doing. And I feel like this announcement that's been made on Christmas Eve can at least offer hope that they will move back in that direction. If you disagree, completely agree, uh, completely, uh, completely fine with it. Let us know. Leave us a comment. Uh, get in touch with us on the social media as well at double underscore Scott Saunders at underscore Rob underscore B at TPL MUFC. And uh, that's it for today's show. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe on YouTube as well. Leave a comment, as I just mentioned, and that kind of thing. Uh, but Rob, uh, impassioned uh, argument there at the end. Check back on Friday's show for more impassioned on-field uh, arguments from Rob Blanchett and myself. Uh, thanks, Rob. Thanks for listening, everyone. And uh, we'll wrap it there. But until next time, this has been the Promised Land Podcast. See you soon. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.